Ladies and gentlemen, stoners and growers, welcome to a midnight rendezvous like no other. I'm your host, Socrates Grows, broadcasting from a server in the heart of America. Join me on this extraordinary journey through the lush foliage of my autoflower garden to learn how to grow your own fire at home. This is Autoflower Power, the podcast that takes you deep into the hidden realms of the horticultural marvels we call autos. On this episode, we will be discussing the stage of growth that puts the flower in autoflower. We'll discuss some of our goals, ways to prevent problems, and how to bring all of our work to fruition. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Autoflower Power. Before we begin this week's episode, I just want to say thanks to everyone for checking out the first few episodes of Autoflower Power. I think it's really cool that you guys are checking these out and hopefully learning something from them. I just wanted to mention that if you guys ever have any questions or anything you want me to cover on the podcast, feel free to email me personally at socratesgrows at protonmail.com. That's all. Let's get into the episode. All right, so today's episode is about the flowering stage of autoflower cannabis. We are really going for a couple goals when we're in the flowering stage. We've already gotten through the seedling stage into the vegetative stage. We've gotten the plant, for the most part, as big as it's going to get, except for the actual flowers themselves, which we're now focusing on. Our goal at this point is to get those flowers as big, as resinous, as tasty, as terpene-filled as possible while maintaining the credibility of them without getting any mold, mildew, or any other sorts of bugs or decay on there. So basically what we're trying to do is we're just tending to the end life cycle of the flowers. This is what uh, would be happening in nature in the fall, which we'll talk about in just a few seconds. Um, And really this stage, the flowering stage, depending on your environment, can be pretty easy or pretty difficult uh, depending what you're doing. It really makes a big difference what season you're growing in. So um, say in the Midwest where you've got these hot, uh, moist summers, it's really difficult to get through flowering without any sort of added dehumidifiers or ACs or anything like that. The flip side, of course, is that in winter, it's a lot easier to get through the flower and harvest stage, but the vegetative stage usually needs uh, additional humidification, additional heat, uh, sometimes a little more airflow, depending on your environment. So again, your flowering stage will be somewhat dependent on when you're growing and where you're growing. We're going to monitor all of our environmental variables that we've discussed on pretty much every episode. We're going to be talking about uh, monitoring the VPD. We're going to be monitoring the lights, the amount of water that the plants are taking up so we can know about where they are in the flowering stage. We'll also be talking about uh, defoliation up until the harvest, and we'll also touch very briefly on what type of feeding that the plants want uh, in flower versus during uh, vegetative stage. Our goal when we're growing flower at home is to get sensimelia flower, which just means flower without seeds. The only way to get flower without seeds to make sure that males have been removed from the environment so no pollen can pollinate the female flowers. Sensimelia flower is the premium quality flower that we're all going for. It's the most resinous, seedless flower that is exactly what we're going to be smoking and exactly what we're hoping to get when we grow our own flower at home. 
Uh, some of the reasons that we want to grow flour without seed is because, uh, you know, obviously we've had some bag seeds where you've got to pick through the weed. It's basically swag. And so it's just a bad experience anytime you get flour that is covered in seeds and you got to pick through it. So unless you're breeding, uh, you don't want your flour covered with seeds. Another great reason why you don't want to grow nonsense Amelia if you're growing flowers because it can definitely take away from the potency. All the energy that your plant has should be going into producing resin and THC and giving us these nice... Uh, beautiful flowers with multiple terpenes and flavors and smells they shouldn't really be going into the seeds if that's not what we're trying to produce so we want to be using all of our energy to uh, be focused on growing the good flowers that we want this sensimelia from time to time even really good weed does have some uh, seeds in it so it's not the end of the world if when you get to the end of your harvest you do find one or two seeds in there that's uh, just a part of nature and just do everything we can to prevent this from happening and we'll get the best results. The best way to prevent pollen from spreading in your garden is to remove all the males. So how do we do that before the pollen actually gets out there and starts spreading? Well, that really takes place during the sexing period of the plant, which takes place as early as three weeks, typically more like four or five weeks in, and sometimes as late as six weeks after your plant has sprouted. What we're mainly looking for during the uh, pre-sexing or the sexing period, the pre-flower, is we're looking to see whether your plants are going to be male or female plants. And it's pretty easy to tell Take a look at a lot of the pictures online. We'll have some pictures at SocratesGrows.com slash flower um, of both male and female sexing parts during the pre-flower. Uh, you're going to want to just keep an eye on this as early as possible. Always keep an eye on your plants. Always check in on what they're doing. Not only is it fun, it adds to the hobby. It lets you learn kind of more the life cycle of these plants. And each time you see it, you'll learn something new. And one of the things you want to keep in mind early on is the sexing of the plant. So if you've got a male plant, what you're going to see is basically these balls forming under new leaves. New leaves will shoot out of the stem and you will see small, basically sacks that will grow into male pollen sacks if you let them grow. Uh, typically, these will appear again between four to six weeks and when you see that, you're going to want to remove those. So take a look at the pictures online, see what they look like, and that'll give you a better idea what to look for for the male plants. If we're growing for flowers, we always remove the male plants. On the flip side, females are also pretty easy to spot because you've got two white hairs, which are also called the pistils, that grow underneath the uh, new leaves. So you either got balls or you got pistols. If you got pistols, you're good to go. These are two white leaves that will grow into flowering heads. If you got balls, you know you got males. So if you're doing a breeding project, great. If you're not doing a breeding project, probably time to get those guys out of the tent and see what they're doing somewhere else. And definitely don't let them get anywhere near your females if you think they are potentially male. The easiest way to get all female plants is to buy feminized seeds. Feminization of seeds is a way that breeders can produce seeds that will, for the most part, guarantee female plants. This isn't 100% guaranteed, so always keep an eye on your early flowering plants when they're sexing, just to keep an eye out for any issues that might arise. But for the most part, feminized seeds will give you feminized plants. 
So what that means in practicality is when you're going to a seed bank, you'll typically see one of two things. You'll see something called an auto fem, which about, I would say 95% of all auto flowers being sold are for the consumer market, for the home grower, and those will be feminized. On the other side, you will once in a while find auto regs or auto regulars, which mean just like their uh, photo period counterparts, you will get some males and some females, and you don't know which one you're going to get until they start flowering, and you can see what the sexing parts of those plants are. While you might not be interested in breeding right now if you've got a, a small tent operation, that doesn't mean it's impossible in the future. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is that auto regs are actually very sought after by certain people because there's not a lot of great breeding stock as far as uh, auto flowers go that's publicly available to uh, home growers and home breeders. So once in a while you'll see, uh, like last year and a couple of years ago, uh, Daz from Night Owl dropped some auto regs on his uh, drops. And those were some very sought after seeds because you don't often get males that are uh, auto flowers because there are so many feminized seeds in the market for the home growers. So it's worth keeping an eye out for those. Unless you're doing a breeding project, I'm not sure you'd really want to pop those unless you specifically wanted to get those females and cull the males. But again, they are very sought after by different people and they might be worth holding in your stock for a future day if you do ever decide to breed. I think that's something interesting to keep in mind. So I think the next important thing to talk about is the actual flowering process for cannabis. Typical photo period cannabis, which is the other more popular typically type of cannabis other than autoflower, reacts to a change in the light cycle. Typically when you're growing photo periods indoors, you're growing under 18 hours of light during the vegetative period. And then you've got to switch over to a shorter day period, shorter light period, usually 12, 12, 12 on, 12 off with the lights. And that will induce your photo periods to flower. We don't need this to happen with our auto flowering cannabis. They're going to just trigger the flowering process regardless if we're giving them 18 hours of light, 12 hours light, or even 24 hours of light. They will just trigger when they hit a certain point and they will start flowering on their own. So we don't have to do anything with the lighting, but we do want to keep in mind why photoperiods do flower when the lights go down. Um, and that's pretty much because, like any other plant, cannabis plants are typically uh, planted in the spring. They get bigger and larger in the summer. Think about the vegetative stage when we're trying to get the heat up and the humidity up so those things could get nice and big, lots of green foliage growing keeping the roots warm and moist. That's really what we're mimicking when we're growing through the vegetative stage is summer. So inside of our tent, we're creating those conditions because that's what it wants during the vegetative stage. So the fall is when plants are typically harvested into the autumn, when the temperatures get cooler, the air gets drier, and the days get shorter. That's why a 12-12 period typically induces uh, flowering on photoperiod cannabis. Again, it's not the light cycle that's so important with autoflowers, but we do need to keep in mind the other environmental variables that keep the flowers in the best condition that we could keep them. So one thing that we're going to keep in mind when we're monitoring our environment is we're shooting for something like fall, 
something approaching the end of the summer season, the early fall, the autumn. We want something that's going to be a little bit cooler, a lot drier, and we're going to maintain those temperatures just like we did uh, through VPD during the other stages of growth. So again, as in the rest of the stages of flowering, keep an eye on your VPD chart. Uh, For this part, you're going to want to keep your RH a lot lower. The goal with keeping your RH low is you're trying to prevent mold, you're trying to prevent mildew, you're trying to encourage stronger, bigger stems, and really some of the best ways to do that are through fans and ventilation. So let's talk for a couple minutes about fans and ventilation, especially during the flowering period. I think this is so important for new growers who have had problems both with smells and also with mold and mildew is you're not keeping your RH low enough and you're not keeping your airflow high enough. We're going to start off with oscillating fans, which are even more important during the flowering stage as they are during the vegetative stage. During the vegetative stage, they're great because they add some resistance and some airflow. They allow for your branches to become stronger and be able to eventually hold bigger flowers that will become uh, more apparent now during the flowering stage. But during the flowering stage, you really need to make sure you're getting your fans oscillated and at least having a couple fans moving air around your tent. You don't want any dead pockets of air anywhere in your tent that aren't being moved around. So with a combination of oscillating fans inside of your tent and an inline fan, which we'll talk about in just a second, you'll probably get all those dead pockets uh, emptied out and air moving all around your plants. You don't want any moisture getting trapped on the flowers because that's exactly how you get mildew caused um, along with mold and bud rot. And that's the last thing you want to do is put in all this work and you wind up with no good flowers, stuff that you just got to toss. I learned my lesson a few grows in. I think it was maybe my third or fourth grow. I had grown my biggest plant that I'd ever grown. I was super excited about it. I think it was some kind of uh, BS knockoff Northern Lights from one of those generic seed banks, but it smelled really nice. It looked really nice, and I was so excited. I thought I was going to get this huge harvest off of it. So I let the thing dry, and at some point when I'm chopping the thing up, I notice it's got bud rot all over the middle once you chop into those nugs. And man, was I disappointed. From that day on, I knew you got to keep your RH much lower, both in the flowering stage inside the tent or the garden and in the dry room. Keeping your RH is really the key to getting your flower into the harvest room and into bags or however you're going to jar them and just keeping them in really good condition. So RH is really one of the main driving factors as opposed to uh, heat in this particular case. So you're always going to want to keep everything at least below 60. I would say absolute max, maybe 65 RH in a tent. There's ways to do that. Um, One of the benefits of auto flowers is there's no light leak issues like there are with photo periods. So what we can do is we could actually uh, pop open the bottom flap of the tent if we want and stick in a little humidifier. It doesn't have to be directly inside the tent. And I found that that's a great way that you could keep the RH down inside the tent really efficiently. It's almost an overpowered thing. If you can plug that into a hydrometer that controls everything, a humidistat, it's really a great tool. Uh, A special bonus if you can run a, a hose into a sink or into a sump tank 
and get the water out of there automatically so you don't have to keep dumping buckets throughout uh, your entire fall period or your entire flowering and dry room period. Uh, Great tools to have on hand, if at all possible, in your dry room is a dehumidifier, whether it's small enough to go in your tent or something that's big, but you can prop in the flap of it. Either one work. Uh, I would definitely recommend having them on hand, especially if you're trying to get flour done in the summer. All right. Now, as far as the inline fan goes, you're going to need new fresh air coming from your lung room constantly. So you're going to want an inline fan in your tent, pulling air from the outside and spitting out old air to the outside of the room. This is going to keep everything nice and uh, fresh in there. You're not going to want stale air sitting around. This will also help move the humidity out of the tent and get rid of a lot of the scents with a good air filter. If you get a good inline fan with a nice carbon filter, it should filter out the vast majority of smells that are coming out of your tent. Especially if you got the rest of it pretty sealed up, you will notice a great reduction in smells versus not using a carbon filter. Uh, They're so cheap. I think they're about 50 bucks maybe for a carbon filter. You're already running an inline fan. There's no reason not to have a carbon filter. The only uh, caveat to a carbon filter is you do have to replace them once in a while. Uh, There's a recent uh, AC Infinity product that came out where you could replace the actual carbon. I don't know if that's any good. I haven't really looked into it, but I do think it's kind of interesting. I know that if you want to get a knife out, you can actually replace the carbon in most of the carbon filters, but that's got some DIY hack stuff involved. So it's worth replacing your carbon filter. I don't know every year or so, maybe every few grows, you want to make sure that the air is fresh and clean going in and out of there. And you want to make sure that any smells are reduced because you don't want to be drawing any extra attention and you just don't want your house stinking up, you know, the entire block or even the house to smell. It's uh, pleasant when you want it, but it's unpleasant when you don't want it. Last couple topics that I want to talk about. Let's start with uh, removing foliage all the way up to harvest. One of the main goals for removing foliage, especially during flower, is to think airflow. Look at the plant and kind of see is the airflow distributed evenly? Can air get to the middle of the plant? Are all the bud sites able to get fresh air? If not, remove some of that extra foliage. Um, I've recently had a plant that I kind of let go kind of crazy and it was okay, but looking back at some of the pictures, I should have cleared out some of the middle foliage because it was just too wild and it didn't have enough airflow in the middle. So you want to be able to kind of see all your budding sites when you look at it. You don't want anything blocked, uh, especially in the center, to uh, airflow. So remove any foliage, especially towards the middle or above that might be blocking uh, flowering sites. That's the other thing that you can do is kind of look up from any of the flowering sites and see, am I getting any sunlight from down here? Is there any one particular leaf that is blocking my light? In that case, you could either leaf tuck, which will probably eventually kill the leaf anyways, or you could just go ahead and remove those leaves that are blocking the budding sites because you're going to want those to get some extra attention with the light and with the airflow. So just go ahead, get rid of those, especially towards the end of flower. 
You can also go ahead and get rid of anything that's like 50% or more diseased or dead. You will have some bad leaves over the course of most grows, whether it's some sort of deficiency or just the end of life where some leaves have been tucked and they just no longer alive. Go ahead and remove those. You don't want anything uh, dead or diseased on your plant. I kind of think of it almost as, you know, does this look good? If it doesn't look good, I remove it. I'd like the plants to look as nice as they want. I'd like them to be appealing to work with for myself. It sounds kind of stupid, but uh, going back to the advice we talked about early on, when you look at these, you want to think they're fucking awesome. You want to say, hey, these plants look great. I'm so glad to be working on them. So if there's anything on there that you don't like, remove them. Uh, As far as removing other things, when you're looking at uh, flowering sites, anything that you think is going to become larf, you know, that stuff that's just kind of airy flower, especially in the bottom third of the plant or anything on any of the lower branches that's just not receiving enough light, you can go ahead and get rid of those early on in flower. I wouldn't let them go too long into the flowering process. Otherwise, I just let them grow typically. Um, you can cut them off later, but they've already gotten a lot of the energy that they're going to take up. So just let them, uh, let them ride out if they're there. And early on, if you want to get rid of them, get rid of them. As far as, uh, removing those things, that's, that's kind of all I do really in flower. I wouldn't do too much extra training or anything like that. By this point, uh, the plant has its shape. The genetics are doing their thing and we've just got to kind of coax them towards the end of flower. Another aspect of flowering is that you are going to want to slightly change your nutrient feeding over to a more phosphorus heavy feeding schedule. Almost every line of feeding will have a bloom uh, type feed. So there'll be a veg and a bloom or sometimes it's an all purpose and a flower, some variation of those terms. And all that that really means is that you're moving away from basically the nitrogen rich Uh, green growth promoting fertilizers or uh, amendments and you're putting more phosphorus which help promote you know thick nice uh, flower development so you're going to be looking for something with an npk with the k is actually the phosphorus if you can believe that um, a little bit higher but if you're following any sort of feed schedule that's going to be done for you so it's really not too much that you got to worry about just follow your feed schedule whether it's organic Uh, You're going to want to continue compost teas or top amending, however you're doing it. And you can use compost. That's always great. And uh, if you're using some sort of salt-based fertilizer, there's always a bloom and a veg. So just keep an eye out on your feeding schedule. Follow that and you should be good on the nutrients. Always keep an eye on your water levels if you're subfeeding or how much you're uh, top feeding your water to your plants during flower. Uh, you'll notice that they will take up a lot of water, especially in early to mid flower. And towards the very end, they will stop drinking water. This is a good early sign that your plants are almost ready for harvest. So your water intake will continue to be pretty, uh, pretty consistent through the flower period until you get to the end. So make sure you're watering regularly and you've got enough water in your reservoir or you're top watering frequently enough because your plants still want water in the flower period, even while we're trying to keep the humidity down. Lastly, we're going to still be keeping an eye on the daily light intake of the plants to make sure that our flowers are getting enough light, but not too much. You'll notice on the daily light intake chart that towards the end of the flowering stage, you're going to want to ramp down that light just a little bit. Uh, Again, we're mimicking fall, so 
the lower light does mimic the kind of uh, setting sun that doesn't last quite as long during the day. And even autoflowers are going to want a little bit at the end of a relief from all the sunlight. So keep an eye on that chart and continue to follow that. And I think you're going to have pretty great success. For the most part, that is the nuts and bolts of a pretty simple flower schedule and how you go about getting your autoflowers through the flowering period and on their way to harvest and ready for consumption, however you're going to go ahead and do that. But before we go, I just want to mention again, I think this is one of the big things that I like to drive home, is you should really try to enjoy this period with your flowers. This is the period where the sights and smells and even tastes are just really magnificent. This is the period where autoflowers really stand out against other plants just due to the amount of size increase in such a short period of time. The incredible smells and variation on colors and looks and sizes and branching and plant formation. I think it's really worth spending some time in your garden, whether it's inside or outside. Something in particular is very special about going into your tent in the middle of winter and seeing these happy plants swing in your oscillating air, knowing you're getting enough airflow and they're being watered and fed, and you're really giving them the love they deserve. I know that sounds corny, but something about gardening is really beautiful. It's a great task, and I think you doing it is going to add a great amount of joy to your day. So take some time to spend in your garden, enjoying those sights and those smells, rub your hands on those plants, and you'll be uh, able to smell that for the rest of the day until you take a good wash. Uh, Flowering is awesome. This might be one of the funnest parts of the plant growing experience aside from consuming. So take your time, enjoy the flowering process, and I think you're going to have great success. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Auto Flower Power Podcast, where we've discussed the flowering stage of the auto flower plant. We've discussed everything from sexing the plant early on in pre-flower to why we want Sensimelia flower in the end. We've also discussed airflow and why low RH is so important to the flowering stage of the auto flower plant. We've also discussed removing foliage and lower bud sites that can promote more growth at the top and bigger, better, more resinous buds. And last but not least, we've discussed why it's important to take some time and really smell the flowers in your tent or in your garden. It's a beautiful time of the garden season and it's something to celebrate. I hope you've taken something away from this episode today that you can apply directly to your garden to grow bigger and more vigorous monster plants. Make sure to check out the show notes at socratesgrows.com slash flower. Also, this is an open invitation for anyone listening to this podcast at this point to email me at socratesgrows at protonmail.com. Send any comments, any questions. I'd love to hear from you on any topic involving autoflowers. I love discussing it. So please send any notes there. So until next time, take it easy. Bye.